We turn in God's Word tonight to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. Those of you maybe wondering about the voice, uh, it's a little better than last week. Um, they determined that it's a sinus infection going on, so we're dealing with it with some medications and so on to uh, try to clear things up. Lord willing, by next week uh, or by the end of this week, we'll be back to where it should be. Isaiah chapter 11, let us hear God's word to us. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. The weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For all the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, from the coastlands of the sea. He shall raise a signal for the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The jealousy of Ephraim shall depart and those who harass Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not be jealous of Judah and Judah shall not harass Ephraim, but they shall swoop down on the shoulder of the Philistines in the west and together they shall plunder the people of the east. They shall put out their hand against Edom and Moab, and the Ammonites shall obey them. And the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt and will wave his hand over the river with his scorching breath and strike it into seven channels, and he will lead people across in sandals. There will be a highway from Assyria for the remnant that remains of his people as there was for Israel when they came up from the land of Egypt. As far as the reading of God's word, let's bow in prayer. We pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you once again that we can open your word this evening. And we just praise you for it, Father. And uh, we thank you for the preparation that Pastor Bob has put into this evening. And we ask that you will be with him, that you'll guide him, guide his words. And Father, may your spirit be at work in us tonight. Give his voice strength. 
And Father, open our hearts that we will uh, absorb your word and uh, we will not leave this place unchanged. But Father, that your word will accomplish everything that you have in mind for it this evening. And all of this wrapped up in adoration to our Lord and Savior may be our act of worship. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. And amen. Remember the words with which you were greeted by the Lord this evening out of the book of Revelation. They are from the one who is and who was and who is to come. The one who is the faithful witness. The one who is the firstborn of the dead. The one who is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Even Jesus Christ. Many commentators uh, commenting on that passage from Revelation will tell you they see in there the, the threefold office of Christ that as the faithful witness he comes as the prophet. As the one who is the firstborn of the dead, he comes as the priest. As the one who is the ruler of the kings of the earth, he comes as the one who is indeed our king. As we think about that incarnation of Jesus Christ that we introduced and we're dealing with last Lord's Day, and think about the fact that Christ came into this world, that the very Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, takes on human flesh, that he becomes Emmanuel, God with us. The question is, for what purpose? Why did Christ come? Now, of course, we know that we we can cut through it all and we can get right to the end and we can say, well, the end of that answer is for the glory of God. Now, that's probably not what you thought I was going to say, was it? You probably thought I was going to say that all of this was done for our salvation. No, our salvation, you see, is part of that which brings glory to God. Why did he come? He came to bring glory to God. How? By bringing us salvation. True. Absolutely. But he also came to bring glory to his Father, not only by our salvation but also by his perfect obedience. His perfect obedience is that which glorifies the Father. And in his perfect obedience, he was commissioned, he was called, he was anointed to be our prophet, our priest, and our king. And it is as our prophet, it is as our priest, and it is as our king that Jesus Christ brings us salvation. So that by fulfilling the fact that he is obedient to the Father, and by bringing us salvation, his coming serves the one sole purpose for which he came which was to glorify the Father. So as we have looked last week at his coming in in the flesh, this week we want to look at, well, as he comes as prophet, what does that mean? What does that imply? Is it true that Jesus Christ came as a prophet? What, What does that mean for me? What does that mean for William, who made his profession of faith tonight? What does that mean for each of you as a believer? What does that mean for you, perhaps here tonight as an unbeliever? 
next Lord's Day, the Lord willing, we'll, we'll look at how he fulfills this responsibility as, as the priest. And the following week, the Lord willing, as the king. Jesus Christ, our prophet, priest, and king. So let's center our thoughts, first of all, on this idea okay, that he is our prophet. And, and what we want to do is look at three things. First of all, the words of others that talk about this, words of others from the scriptures who speak about the fact that Jesus Christ is indeed the prophet. Secondly, we want to look at Jesus' own words. What does Jesus say about this work and ministry of him being a prophet? And then thirdly, the words of believers as well. First of all, then, the, the words of others. I give you, first of all, the lawgiver, Moses. I'd invite you to turn back in your Bibles from where we were to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18. Down to verse 15. Come to the book of Deuteronomy. Moses' great life, his great calling, his great work is about to come to an end. He knows it. He's aware of it. People of Israel are basically at the borderline. We're ready to move in. He's not going to enter. He knows it. The question is going to be, well, who's going to lead us? What's going to happen? Lots of questions. Listen to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name. I myself will require it of him. Moses says, God's going to raise up another one. From among you, from among people like you, from amongst Hebrews, from amongst Jewish people, he's going to raise up another prophet. And that prophet is going to come and he's going to speak completely, fully, totally the word of the Lord. And you had better listen to him. They say, how do you know? How do you know, Pastor Bob, that that has to do with Jesus Christ? Well, because Reverend Green and I, as some of you have noted, sorry for Reverend Green, but we tend to think alike. Okay? And, and so when we have an Old Testament passage like this, the first thing you do is sort of look like, well, where do you find that fulfillment? Even as we did with the text this morning. Where do we find that later on in Scripture? So from Deuteronomy, go to the book of Acts. Go to the third chapter of the book of Acts, as a matter of fact. Acts chapter 3, 
And remember where we are. Jesus Christ has come. Jesus Christ has lived. He has died. He has risen again. He has ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit has come. Okay, Pentecost has occurred, Acts chapter 2. Peter and John are out ministering. Some of their sermons are being called into question. Verse 22, Acts chapter 3. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel to those who came after him also proclaimed these days, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant of the Lord your God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Now, who is Peter speaking of? Jesus Christ. The one that God raised up. That's his whole point. The one that came, that spoke to them, but they turned their deaf ear to him. They did not listen. He's imploring them, listen to the voice of the one who is the prophet the one that Moses said was going to come. Listen to him. Listen to him. From the mouth of others. Learn that Jesus Christ is indeed the prophet. Go back to Isaiah chapter 11. And as you hear those words, as you were hearing those words read earlier, who are you thinking of? Who is this one that Isaiah is prophesying about that's going to come who is the one who is the shoot from the stump of jesse who is the branch from the roots shall bear fruit who is the one that the spirit of the lord is going to rest upon of course we know the answer to that don't we we step back from isaiah chapter 11 and we say well that's none other than jesus christ listen to all the things that that isaiah said in this chapter about the one who was going to come he says that he is going to be filled with the Spirit. He says that he is going to establish truth and justice. That he is the one who is going to give faithful judgment. That he is the one who is going to be the faithful witness. Revelation 1.5 Who is the faithful witness? Jesus Christ. Who is the one who is going to come as the prophet to be a blessing? Who is the one who is going to come to be a signal? Who is going to be lifted up so that all nations are going to be gathered to him? Isaiah is clearly portraying for us Jesus Christ. And if you don't see the connection, then you have to go to the, the gospel according to Luke. You have to look in two passages, and I'll just reference them to you. They are at Luke chapter 3, 21 and 22, and Luke chapter 4, verse 18. What do we read there? That the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jesus, fulfilling exactly that which Isaiah said would happen, that the prophet who was coming, the one who is going to be anointed, not just with oil, as most prophets were, in a symbolic gesture 
of the fact that the Spirit was resting upon them. But Jesus Christ at His baptism is anointed, not with oil, but by the Holy Spirit Himself. The heavens are opened and dove comes and rests upon Him, anointing Him, calling Him to what? Our prophet would speak truth. Notice how even Apostle John, John chapter 1, turn to that for a moment, speaks about this. And I know we know this text, I know we, we understand this text, but, but sometimes, you know, we, we just miss, maybe the problem is we just get too theological with it. Rather than just see the bluntness of it. Just listen to these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, if one were to think, you know, what is the main thing that a king does? A king rules. What is the main thing that a priest does? A priest sacrifices. What is the main thing that a prophet does? He speaks what? Words. John is not only identifying the divinity of Jesus Christ in John 1.1, John is telling us the calling of Jesus Christ. That the one who came, that the one who took on flesh, is the prophet. Name is not Mohammed. Or as Bill mentioned, Reverend Green mentioned this morning, any of those other religions that seek to lift up their holy man. There is but one true prophet. There is but one who is the word made flesh. There is but one out of whose mouth only truth proceeded. That was not true of Moses. It was not true of Samuel. It was not true of David. It is not true of Isaiah. It is not true of Jeremiah. It is not true of Amos. It is not true of Joel. It is not true of Malachi. They were ordinary men. Yes, God inspires them. Yes, we have those inspired words here. But they were also men who lived ordinary lives, who spoke sinful words when they weren't inspired who were covered with sin, who were depraved, but there was only one who came as the faithful and true witness who bore testimony fully and completely of that which God desired for man to hear, to listen to. You see, that's why Moses said, and that's why Peter is repeating this, this urgency of you need to listen because this is the truth. This is not a mixed bag. This is not something you need to sort out. This is not listening even to a sermon where you've got to go, now where, where is it? This is not something off the internet where you have to try to figure out how much of this story is true and how much of it isn't. This is Jesus Christ, the faithful, the true witness. Listen to him. It's not only from others, it's from Jesus Christ himself. Go back to the passage that Reverend Green alluded to this morning, read to us. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. 
What's the calling of a prophet but to speak God's truth, right? That's what a prophet does. A prophet speaks the truth of God. Mark 1, 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming, speaking, preaching the gospel of God, and saying, now note what you have here. This is an exact quote. These are the words out of the mouth of Jesus. This is not Moses talking about him. This isn't John talking about him. This isn't Isaiah talking about him. This is Jesus himself speaking. Here is word. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Remember this morning, listening, Reverend Green? Here we have this passage of judgment coming at us from the book of Amos, chapter after chapter after chapter, even half, if not three-quarters, of the chapter of Amos, chapter 9. A prophet needs to proclaim, repent, repent. A true prophet who has the word of the Lord proclaims, repent. What did Jesus come and do? Hey, it's all okay. Don't worry. Everything will be fine. It will all just work itself out. Just believe in yourself. It'll be okay. Trust in your wealth. It'll be okay. What did Jesus come and say? Repent! As Bill was preaching this morning, and I'm thinking, you know, about the pastor who taps him on a knee preaching about the judgment. My question would have been as well, how many people in the Christian church today think Jesus ever uttered the call to repentance? Oh, no, Jesus would never talk that way. No, it's the very first thing he did. Because that's what a prophet does. But a prophet also not only calls people to judgment, not only calls them to repentance. How does Amos end? With a call to grace. Repent and believe. Believe in the gospel. Believe in the good news. Believe in the fact that I have come to bring salvation. He's a true prophet out of his own mouth. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Jesus speaking again. Matthew chapter 13. going to go all the way to verse 53 Matthew 13 53 when Jesus had finished these parables he went away from there and coming to his hometown Nazareth he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works is not this the carpenter's son is not his mother called Mary and are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas And are not all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. Remember the words of Moses. (laughs) Listen to the prophet. From among them. 
And what does Jesus say? Think think of Moses in the background. Think of Isaiah in the background. What does Jesus say? Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. What is Jesus saying? By that quote, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, I am a prophet. The mere fact that you reject me, the mere fact that my family, and we know up to that point they had, rejected him, was a sign of the fact that he was what? A prophet. This is Jesus' own words. Let me take you to one more. Luke chapter 13. Luke 13. down to verse 31. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish from Jerusalem. What did he just say? What's going to happen to the prophet? He's going to die at Jerusalem. So what does Jesus do to those who will not listen? Listen to him. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you will as, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. By the mere fact of where Jesus dies, by their rejection over him, He is saying, I am the prophet. I am the faithful witness. I have come to speak the truth that my Father has given to me. Because in my speaking the truth, I bring glory to Him. And by my speaking the truth, I am about your salvation. Thirdly, There are the words of others. If you take your blue psalter hymnal, we were to go to Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 12. My copy, it's page 19 in the back. We read the question, question 31. Why is he called Christ, meaning anointed? Okay, now this is, this is our confession. This is, this is what we as believers say. So we've heard Moses, we've heard Isaiah, we've heard the Apostle John. We have heard Jesus himself. So the question is, who say you that the Christ is? Who do you say that he is? Do you also confess? Well, we as Reformed believers do. We state 
who he is? I'll ask the question again. Together we'll read the entire answer. Why is he called Christ, meaning anointed? Together, because he has been ordained by God the Father and has been anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher who perfectly reveals to us the secret counsel and will of God for our deliverance. Our only high priest, who has set us free by the one sacrifice of his body and who continually pleads our cause with the Father and our eternal King, who governs us by his word and spirit and who guards us and keeps us in the freedom he has won for us. He is our chief prophet and teacher who perfectly reveals to us the secret counsel, the will of God for our deliverance. In our Westminster Shorter Catechism, question and answer 24. You don't have to turn to it. Okay? Question and answer 24, we read the following. How does Christ execute the office of a prophet? Christ executes the office of a prophet in revealing to us by his word and spirit the will of God for our salvation. Why do we need to listen to the prophet? Why do we need to listen to Jesus Christ? Because he is the one who perfectly reveals to us our salvation. So as a church, we make that confession. As a denomination, we make that confession. As a reformed body, we make that confession. But we also make that confession as individuals. Tonight, you heard William stand, and I asked him five questions. Perhaps the one that is the most pertinent in regards to this is this. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord? What does that mean? It means he's the one I'm going to listen to. William, it means he's the one we are always going to follow. That it's his word. That when difficult times come, when struggles come, when perplexing circumstances and situations come, when your heart leads you in one direction, you come back to God's word. You say, but what did Jesus tell me? What did the prophet tell me? What did the one who perfectly reveals God's will? What does he tell me? I stood and I confessed before people that he was my Lord. I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to follow him. When our heads get all twisted around with stuff that comes to us uh, later on in life and thinking about Jeremy's statements this morning about college and education in Costa Rica and the twisting and the distorting, okay? We have these fine young people but I could address you as well. Where are you going to be in a year from now? Where's that theological foundation that has been set going to be? You're going to let somebody twist and distort it? You're going to let somebody take the truth of God and change it? Draw you away from Christ? Draw you away from the church? Draw you away from a relationship with the one living and true God? Or are you going to come back to the one who is the true prophet? the one who perfectly reveals God's truth. 
Oh, how often it is, brothers and sisters in Christ. And you say, I can say that to William. I can say that to these young people from Costa Rica because we all know our own hearts, don't we? We all know how we're drawn to that subtle lie of Satan. We're all drawn to that snake in the garden. We're all drawn to the one who seeks to deceive, who seeks to take us away from God's truth. But when we stand and confess, Jesus Christ is my Lord, we are standing and saying, He's the one I will listen to. It is His word. It is His truth that I will follow. Because I also know the words of Moses. I know that the consequences for not following, for not listening to the one who speaks truth are eternal. I've heard it from Moses. I've heard it from Isaiah. I hear it from John. I hear it from Jesus himself. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You know, and the interesting thing about that passage is he's not talking to the pagans. He's not talking to the Romans. He's not talking to the Greeks. He's talking to people who should have known. They turned their back. They rejected the prophet. They rejected Jesus Christ, the faithful witness who came to glorify the Lord. So you see, it's not only in the words of the church, it's in the words of those uh, of every believer who stands and makes that profession of faith, but it's also in our lives. It's not just in our words, it's not just our saying, it's in how we live. It's in how we live and how we think. In our lives, it's, it's our thinking that is to be formed and shaped by the living Word of God. What is the living Word of God? Jesus Christ. That's God's living Word. A faithful witness in the day and age in which we live. A witness that we can bring to the world. A witness that, that is searching this afternoon we uh, at, at Walker Meadows, we, we have the passage from, from Philippians where, where Paul talks to the Philippian church that they are, they are the lights shining in the darkness of the world. You know, and oftentimes at, at Christmas we think about Christ and the star and Christ being the light of the world. Oh, how true that is. But Paul says that we as Christians... Our light shining in the darkness as well. Next time you see that string of Christmas lights, just know the darker it gets, the more the light is shown. We live in a dark world. Whether it's the United States or Costa Rica, whether it's Grand Rapids or Guadalupe, whether it's the Philippines, whether it's Cairo, whether it's Rome or Paris, whether it's London or Cartago, we live in a dark world. And our lives, our lives, are to be those that shine out in the midst of the darkness. How do they shine? Paul says in Philippians 2, by holding fast to the word of truth.
by holding fast to the words of the prophet, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the one who is the ruler, the kings of the earth. Let us listen and follow the voice of the prophet, the true prophet raised up by God to proclaim repent and believe the gospel. And God's people say Amen. Father, we thank you again for your living and active word, for its truth that Father, as it is proclaimed, as it is read faithfully, Father, that, that Jesus Christ is indeed present, for he promised to never leave us or forsake us. That word is always present with us. That truth of Christ, we cannot run, we cannot hide. As Reverend Green mentioned this morning, we cannot hide from the truth that Jesus Christ, the true prophet, proclaims. So, Father, may we not only boldly stand, as William did this evening, and profess our faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, But may we shine, may we shine in the darkness of this world by holding fast to that truth. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.